just about a year ago, I shared this message, and um, I, uh, in 22 years, the number of times I have re-preached a sermon that I preached here, I could pro- the number of them, are, I could count on one hand, I could probably still pick up a pencil, I think. Um, but uh, I've got, I had such a strong, positive, awakening reaction uh, that I knew that, that I, I needed to share this at other times. I also shared the principles I'm going to share with you. I shared this at a lunch, uh, luncheon the win- this last winter. And um, I was so surprised at how it really rocked so many people, not because I'm so great, but the truths that they ha- weren't aware of um, as far as, as believers in this country, what... what what we've been given and what we're accountable for. And, and so, <clears throat> always, I never, I, I, the little, little revising, but that's okay. You wouldn't know anyway. So. Um, <clears throat> but in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 through 2, um, the Apostle Paul says, this is, <clears throat> this is how one should regard us. <clears throat> Paul, speaking of the people, should regard Paul and his fellow workers as servants of Christ, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Just a, a note about we are servants of Christ, which means what? We serve Him. When we give our life to Christ, we give our life to Christ, right? Too many people, they give the life, to, they, they, they say they became a Christian. It's like they put Jesus in the center of the mantle over the the fireplace of their heart. But there's all these other things that are sharing the same space. And our life changes very little. But as servants of Christ, in fact, the, 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 the title Christian was, of course, first coined in, in Antioch. And, and it literally means little Christ, meaning that, that as Christ came and served on this earth, now we serve in that same way. Amen? And he came, he came to serve good seed. That's a good seed, Elena. Good job. He, Christ came to fulfill the purposes of his Father. Amen? And so now our role is to do the same thing, to, to, that we are here to fulfill the purpose of, of our Father, our Heavenly Father, as we are in this world. And, and so therefore, there's the, the idea of being stewards, stewards of the mysteries of God. Uh, we've been entrusted with things. And some of those stewards, the, the mysteries of God, understand the mysteries of God are, does not mean... Mysteries like if you had a, a um, name, who's your favorite uh, inspector detective person? Just na- who is it? Monk. monk. Thank you. My, that's my favorite too, Monk. All right. Uh, that's not Monk Fruit. It's a, it's a, uh, the mysteries of God cannot, not even Monk could discover what, what, what the mysteries of God were because they are, it means it, they are things that God has withheld from our understanding until it was time to reveal it. Like, basically, primarily, how he was going to save mankind. How he was going to fulfill the words of of Genesis 3 when he said uh, about the serpent, you're going to to bruise my my servant's heel, but he's going to crush your head. And how that was going to be fulfilled in the promises. How he he was going to uh, save mankind. And so those are the the, the mysteries. 
And so being thing that God has reconciled mankind to himself through Christ, which is a marvelous thing to understand that, 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 that God himself came to reconcile you to himself. And to, to just fathom that, to try and, and fathom what that means, that, that the God of the creator of the universe, whom I have offended and violated and rebelled against his, his laws, and my very nature pushes me away from him. I can't even be in his presence because he is so glorious, so powerful, I would die in his presence, that he came and did the work that reconciled me back to him before I knew I needed it. That's what love is. That is an incredible, unimaginable kind of love that he has for you, for you, for you, for you, and for me. And what a marvelous thing. We also are stewards of the mysteries of God, how sin and rebellion are forgiven for repentance, which means to change your mind and change your direction. You were going and thinking that way, and now you're going and thinking this way, and in faith you're following Jesus. Almost Also the work of the Holy Spirit. We just finished five or so weeks of, the, of, of a Bible study about the Holy Spirit on Thursday uh, mornings at a fabulous time. Um, but the, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit is as indwelling us as a seal, the sign of our salvation, that we are children of God. But also the other uh, aspect that Jesus promised for his followers to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to be empowered um, for the purpose of ministry. Not, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not about salvation. It is about being equipped to do what God has asked us to do. Why we're in this in this world, and then the other accompanying gifts of the Holy Spirit for the building of the body, and these things, all this stuff, uh, and of course God's word with, with, with His promises, and these these are all the things that we have. We're stewards of these things now. How are we going to manage these? Steward these things? Are we going to invest ourselves in them and and let them change us, and then and then do it, or are we going to back off? And so, uh, it's important for a steward to be found faithful. But this is my question. Um, that as Christians in America, is it possible we've been entrusting with something God-given that others have not been given? And the answer is? That's a rhetorical question. Yes, we have. Are we stewards of, of a treasure um, that, um, that is, was unknown, certainly unknown in the New Testament times and quite most of the centuries since then? Um, Calvin, Calvin Coolidge, uh, a wonderful uh, president, um, said on the day after, um, you see, that would be 1776, that would be 150th and one day anniversary of the founding of this country. He wrote this. He said, the principles which went into the Declaration of Independence are found in the sermons of the early col- uh, colonial cl- clergy. They preached equality because they believed in the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. You understand, for like 150 years, meaning like from about the 1620s up until 1776, uh, even more so like 17 mid-1760s, every point that in the, in the Declaration of Independence, all the principles and, of freedom and right and, and, uh, that are expressed there were all came from these sermons that were preached across this land um, from the pulpit. And you notice this thing that they preached equality. They did not preach equity. And the difference 
between equality and equity is where they point to. Equality is all about um, f- uh, equal opportunities. It's about the beginning, right? Equity is this man-made idea that we all have to end up in the same place. Equal outcomes. We can't. We're not all the same. And the fact that we don't all end up in the same place actually makes us even more wonderful. You don't have to. There's not, not all of us are, are, are equipped in a way with, to, to be a, uh, uh, some, someone who builds a vast empire, a billionaire, and those kind of things. But who needs all that? I, I wouldn't mind a few of those dollars. How about you? Right? But equality talks about the beginning, the equal opportunity for all. Equity is only about trying to make everybody end up with the same thing, which makes everybody in poverty, quite frankly. But anyways. And also this idea that understanding the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man, having a biblical worldview, understanding the scriptures, you understand that, that there is a God who created me and I will be held accountable for my life one day. And therefore, my actions on this earth matter. How I treat you, how I treat my business, how I live this life, it matters. And so I will, I recognize that, that he's my creator. And therefore I also recognize that since, since we are all descended from our first parents, Adam and Eve, it doesn't care, it doesn't matter what color your skin is or your ethnic background. You are, you are my brother and my sister. Uh, the brotherhood of, 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 uh, of mankind or humanity. Brotherhood of man is, is, is uh, not correct nowadays. You're not allowed to say that. You don't mind if I still say that, do you? President Coolidge also said this. In order that they, that they might have freedom to express these thoughts and opportunity and put them into action, whole congregations with their pastors migrated to the colonies. In, in places, you know, in, in the United Kingdom at the time, and then many of the, the pilgrims and separatists had moved out of there, gone to like Denmark and the, the Netherlands to, to get some religious freedom, and they didn't, weren't getting it there, and they ended up here, all for the purpose that they might have religious freedom. That's, that's what America was founded upon. But it was their pastors that led their congregations here to this land as the start. Uh, a new nation. And instead of, in New England, instead of separation of church and state, it was the pastors who created the state. Um, the state of Connecticut. Uh, uh, pastor, I think his name was Booker, it might be a hooker, I don't remember what it is. But I forget his name. Um, but he wrote the constitution that created the state of Connecticut. So this whole idea of separation of church and state is, is, is that's purported today is, is felonious, and I would, if you get the Stephen, South Stevens County Times that comes out next week, this is what I wrote about. I wrote about the re, what, what's true about separation of church and state um, with some historical background to the whole thing. So, but the point is, for those 150 years leading up to the, uh, the birthday of our nation, the pulpits, as it said, our pulpits have thundered, and they thundered on every single element, every every topic of the day. That was it, it was uh, 
it was fair game for, for, for what the Bible says about it. And they, and they preached on these things. They, from about, what, about good education of children. They talked about the, the, the court system. Talked about certain laws. They would even, patriotism talked about, they had earthquakes. There was a time of a bunch of earthquakes. They had earthquake sermons, you know. And every year they would have their election sermon. They would talk about the election, about the bills that are going forward, the people who are, are, are running and what they're standing for in the light of Scripture. There was none of this of fear to let the Bible speak to the things that we were facing as a nation. And I refuse to have that today. In New England, they, there was a... <coughs> excuse me. One thing that the pastors of New England, uh, which primarily the, most of the colonies were there and then down, down the eastern seaboard... But they realized that the kingdom of God was never forced from top down. And because it wasn't, they, they didn't see that, that we could. Because they, they were very familiar with what kings do with people who didn't agree with them. Right? Uh, burn them at the stake. You know, crispy critters. Um, but if Jesus didn't do that, then, then we couldn't. And so, so, therefore, if the kingdom of, of God can never be forced from the top down... They, they say, but what if the majority of the people held godly values and then would elect representatives uh, that had the, these same values, then the laws that they would create in the nation in which they were founding would reflect those values and thereby the kingdom of God would come from the bottom up. And that is, it's, that is the whole principle of our constitutional representative republic. We are not a democracy. We have never been a democracy. Not even Tucker Carlson gets that right. Um, But uh, a representative republic. Calvin Coolidge said this. He said that placing every man on a plane where where he acknowledged no superiors. Now stop right there. What's he saying? There, There are no monarch lineage kind of things. You, you don't get into office just because you happen to be born to somebody. Right? That we are all the same. The true, the idea of the, that, that in the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal and endowed with certain inalienable rights by our Creator. So we recognize that we have no superiors. Some of them might be more educated than somebody. Some of them might be more gifted than somebody. But, but we're still the same. You, you are as valuable in this world as the next person, regardless of what level of education or training, those kind of things. Because you're a human being made in the image of God. Amen? This is why it's so central to have a biblical worldview today. We can see what's happening around us by those who have rejected that. But then he goes on, he says, then he must inevitably choose his own rulers through a system of self-government. Self-government, such an important thing. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. But that we will choose our own rulers. And that, that is so unique to the history of, of, of most governments. You don't, people were like, whatever, whatever the king or dictator, whoever, whoever conquered, you were subject to, to them. But in this nation, we choose... At least if the voting thing works. We choose who rules over us. Amen? Amen. And that's how it was designed. And so the, the, our founders really... Just this powerful understanding that where does, how does power flow? You know, for, for centuries, the idea was 
you know, that the, the power came from, a, from the God and came to the king, or you put whatever, whatever monarch type, type of one person ruler you want to put in there. Uh, and then, da- then, the, then the king and would decide what freedoms and rights the people had. But they realized that we are born, we're made in the image of God, and we have been given, uh, our rights come from God to the people. And that we then go and, and create political leaders to, to protect the rights that we have, have been given by God. That was, that was just like so phenomenal. And then if you understand, in, in the Bible, in, in, in Deuteronomy, and well, the first five books, I think probably Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the, God gave us 613 laws in creating a nation. The Bible isn't just about how you get safely from here to there and not go to hell. The Bible has a whole lot more to say about life than just those things. He talks about taxes, about debt, about economy, about welfare, laws about health care and education, immigration, the war and military. He's got things, laws that talk about foreign relations, in the environmental, environment and criminal justice. How could somebody say the Bible's not relevant today? Right? Or we should just preach the gospel, which is a, a term that's used, uh, I think, without really thinking about what you're saying. Abraham Lincoln, in his debate with Stephen Douglas, he said this. He said, The people of these United States are the rightful masters of both Congresses, the House and the Senate, and the courts. This is how we're set up. And so, and then, and some of you remember, I... Back in um, last summer, we went down to um, San Diego to the, the pastor summit turn, put on by Turning Point USA Faith and Charlie Kirk's group. And so you see these heads. These are, th- these are slides that I, I took pictures of. Um, and so that's what those little bumps are down at the bottom there. So, so I make no apologies for sharing these. But so citizen is a Greek word that means co-ruler or co-king. So if that's the case, who's the king in America? The people. We, the people, are the king in America. And you got to understand this. This is so unique uh, in, in the history of, of humanity and totally unknown to, our, to the early, early church, even, even many uh, generations of that. And so... The Constitution, as we know, begins with we the people. It's we the people that select our representatives with our values. And this alone should tell us why that we need to pray that the church gets revived and to such an extent that the lost get saved and, and, and that we understand the importance of this. It's not just some political... We're in a, a spiritual warfare for the soul of this nation and for the soul of our children and our grandchildren. And in Washington State, it was the majority of those who've been voted in who do not have the values that reflect those of our founding. That's why they've created this, uh, this law, uh, 5599, that, that the Governor Inslee signed, and this Referendum 101 is there to put a veto to that, that, that our governor and the majority of those in the legislature believe the government has a right to your children that if you don't agree with their woke narrative about gender, about homosexuality, about abortion, and that child uh, wants to do something, the government says yay, but the parent is a believer, follows Jesus, believes the Bible, says no, 
then that child just tells any adult and they take, rush them off to some shelter or, or youth center and you parent, you have lost your child. That is evil. That's not politics, that's evil. And it's because we have elected people who do not reflect our values. But the point is there weren't enough people with our values voting to elect the people with our values. So many Christians just sit back. I don't want to get involved in politics. Shame on you. Or maybe at least you didn't realize what your responsibility was. That we the people can remove and replace our representatives. That that is our thought. We are the ones. We hire them and we fire them. I remember hearing some of these candidates, you know, the blather around and shutting down voters who are asking them questions. And, I, and I, there's only a few times that I've had heard some speakers say, hey, you work for me. You will answer my question because you work for me. We need to have that kind of boldness. This is not a monarchy. I don't care how long they've been in the House, the Senate, the, the State House, whatever. They work for us. Don't ever forget that. And they should never forget that. They're elected, our, and that our elected officials govern at the consent of the governed, at our consent, Right? And that Washington, even our, our own state constitution in Article 1 says the political power rests in the people. It's, you can read it. Article 1, Washington state constitution. It also says in that the, the supreme law of the land is, is the United States constitution. So in any place where our state constitution does not agree with the U.S. constitution, the U.S. constitution takes over. Um, and so, so the American citizen, we are the sovereign. And so our vote and our engagement, not just voting, my goodness, voting, voting is, is like tithing in the sense that that's where you start, right? As far as giving, voting is where you start. But other kinds of engagement, it's not like a good idea. It is required because we are stewards of something that, that few people have ever known in the history of mankind. We are stewards of this kind of a government that has put us as the sovereign over this nation. Um, and so how are we doing? Well, the truth is about 25, only about uh, 25 million Christians didn't vote um, in 2020. And again, these numbers are kind of, kind of flexible, you know, who, who's a Christian or not, you know, those, but those who confess to being an evangelical Christian, um, about 20, 25 million did not vote. 65 million do not vote in local local elections. We also, in our class um, on Tuesday nights, that about a, um, a half of Christians are not even registered to vote. And in a presidential election, the big one, only about half of them vote. And in the off-year uh, elections, in the in the um, where there's not a presidential election, they found only on average twelve percent of believers vote. Well, why do you think we have what we have in this state right now and this nation? Benjamin Franklin, this is from the Constitutional Convention, um, as they were just fighting and, and struggling to get anything done. And you've, I know most all of you have probably heard these words, but they, they bear repeating. As he has, has said in this time, he says, Sir, I have lived a long time. And he was. He was like in his late 80s. I mean, the average lifespan of men in that time were like in their 40s. So to be in your 80s was, a, was really something. 
He said, Sir, I've lived a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. He said, And have we now thought, have we now forgotten this powerful friend, or do we imagine we no longer need his assistance? Hear these words. So that if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is, is it probable that an entire empire can rise without his aid? And then he calls upon them that, that henceforth that prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessings on our del- deliberations be held in, in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business and that one or more of the clergy of this city be requested to officiate in that service. See, they recognized the role of, of their faith in founding this nation. This, this idea separates the church and state that, that, that is promoted today and that so many pastors and churches back off and say, well, we don't talk about that kind of stuff. That was, that was a total foreign thinking to, to our founders and many, many generations following them. And as, um, uh, as you know, this, you've heard this, this account when uh, Franklin was, was leaving uh, Independence Hall, as it was later, later named in Independence Hall in Philadelphia, Mrs. Powell asked him, well, doctor, what have we got, a republic or a monarchy? And, and he said, a republic, if you can keep it, after they had, had finished creating the, the, this incredible constitution that we have. Um, and George Washington said this. He, he said, it appears to me that then little short of a miracle that the delegates from so many different states should unite in forming a system of national government. And that was in his letter to Lafayette in 1788. But Benjamin Rush, a doctor who was part of this, he went further. He said, I do not believe that the Constitution was the offspring of inspiration, meaning he's not saying it's equal to the Word of God. But I am as satisfied that it is as much the work of divine providence as any of the miracles recorded in the Old and New Testament. And to understand our Constitution is simply an attempt to prevent the president from ruling through mandates and executive orders. How are we doing on that? (laughs) To prevent one-person rule. You understand? Our Constitution, our bylaws restrict the government, not the people. That's what it's about. For a purpose. Unfortunately, these executive orders and, and the current president is not the only one who's who begin to create their own laws uh, by executive orders. But I don't want to get too uh, caught in the murky mire of all that. Our Constitution is actually, this was an old slide, is now 236 years this September. That's how old our Constitution is. It's 11 years younger than our Declaration of Independence. But right there, no other nation has experienced what we have. But this is our heritage. In the 236 years that we've been under one constitution, the average length of any nation under a constitution is 17 years. That alone should tell you there's something supernatural, something divine about the creation of this nation. This is not just another, not just we just, we just found a, a clever way to do government. God stepped in. As you, 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 there's so many more of the quotes of the founding fathers you could read. There's no question that there is a divine hand of God that has created this nation. Something that's only been seen since Israel was created, I believe. 
And knowing that even in the Mayflower Compact, as, as the, the pilgrims were coming across the Atlantic and being blown all over the place, they, they wanted to go one place, ended up north there in, in, uh, in Massachusetts. Um, they realized they needed, a, they needed to establish some kind of form of government when they get there. And in that document, the Mayflower Compact talks about the purpose of being there to propagate the gospel, to bring the gospel. We were not founded to promote slavery, as is erroneously uh, said, we are, but as a place for the religious freedom and the proclamation of the gospel around the world. This, we have a gift. Can, anybody, can you see that? We have a gift, and, and we have a responsibility to safeguard and secure that for the next generations, the, these, these, these here and, and the little ones running out there. Amen? And this, is our, this is what the danger is, is that Benjamin Franklin says, when, when the people find that they can vote themselves money, that will herald the end, that will herald the end of the republic. How much do you see of those, vote for me and we'll cancel this, we'll give you free this, Right? Unfortunately, we're, we're at a place because we've walked away from God in so many ways in our culture. We uh, we are susceptible to these things. Uh, <clears throat> Jefferson said this: When corruption has prevailed in those offices of government and has so famili- familiarized itself as that men otherwise honest could look on it without horror, then we must be alive to the suppression of this odious practice. And bring to punishment and brand with eternal disgrace every man guilty of it, whatever be his station. That when corruption becomes so familiar, so, so commonplace in the places of government, so that the people in place of the government don't even wince anymore, they, it's like, that's just how we work, that's how we roll. Then people who still have a conscience need to rise up and say, not on our watch. And get to remove those people. Benjamin Franklin talked about freedom of speech as the principal pillar of a free government. When this support is taken away, the constitution of a free society is dissolved and tyranny is erected on its ruins. This is what's happening right now. Tyranny is being established in this nation by labeling speech that is not approved as misinformation, disinformation, as dangerous. And we're trying to protect the people. So we, we're going we're gonna to silence the people who are saying things that don't agree with the narrative. And this, this is how tyranny begins. And, and this is why uh, we need to be part of the solution. Amen? Also, he goes on to say, Freedom is not a gift bestowed on us by other men, but a right that belongs to us by the laws of God and of nature. Freedom is God's idea. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. You know, the, Jesus uh, in Luke 4 says, the whole reason he, he reads from my quotes from Isaiah, um, he's come to what? Set the captives free and set the oppressed free and all these things. It's about freedom. God is all about freedom. And they, these things have come from him. And he says, those that, that can give up essential liberty to gain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. This whole COVID thing was a dry run of tyranny. Um, of of how, how much can we convince the people to give up their freedoms if we promise we're just going to keep you safe? We're going to keep you safe, right? We're going to shut down all you mom and pop shops, but, but the, the strip joints, the bars, the pot shops, the abortion clinics, they can stay open and the big box stores, but the mom and pop short stores and churches, you're, you're not essential. 
and just stay home. You're not sick? I know, but you should stay home anyways. I'm not sick? Oh, but put a mask on anyways. You're not sick? They get a shot anyways. And how many Americans just bowed because they were going to keep them safe? I, I walked into the store just yesterday and, and uh, a couple places and these people having these masks on. There could be some folks that they have some other health issues that, 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 that the mask is helpful. And so, but the concern is, 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 is the deception that has happened uh, that has caused people to just bow and, and stop thinking for themselves and being, being um, in charge of their own life. Thomas Jefferson also said, when injustice become law, becomes law, resistance becomes duty. They wanted to have the emblem um, of, of our, the United States be, say, that resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. That was a proposed... Uh, logo for the United States of America by people like Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, and um, one or two others. might have been Benjamin Rush, and maybe, probably Patrick Henry, too. That says a lot about where we came, what, we, what we've, this nation was founded on, doesn't it? Just closing up, that, that uh, he went on to say... Um, that our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. You see, this idea, mentioned about self-government earlier. You cannot... Well, we were founded on the principle of self-government, but as a moral and religious people. Again, the idea that, we, that a moral and religious people... We recognize there is a God above to whom I will be accountable to, as I already said. And therefore, my life, how I live my life, matters on with, uh, because I will stand an account. And so I will self-govern myself, recognizing there's somebody bigger than me. Right? When you remove him, and man is supreme, whatever you feel is truth. And we, see, we get what we're seeing right now. And uh, that's why our Constitution is being trampled by so many, so many, even those in the highest uh, place of, of government, uh, because they have totally rejected the morality, and, and even those, even they claim to be of a religious faith, they, they know nothing of that by the choices they make. Uh, Franklin also said, let me, let me add, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. Don't we see that? And our first president, he said, of all the habits and dispositions which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable uh, supports. He says, and let us caution, indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. He says, reason and experience forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in the exclusion of religious principle. If you don't have God, you don't have his word or his principles, and you don't have any basis to to determine what is good or not. It's righteousness that exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Amen? And this this is why. We hear, uh, this is a thing I showed you before. You can't really read this, but this is, this is um, about con- top countries sending and receiving Christian mi- mi- missionaries. This is a 2010. But sending the most, United States, see this one? 127,000 uh, were sent for the United 
uh, states in the one year of 2010 around the world with the gospel. The number two country was Brazil, only 34,000. This, this is why America needs to be saved. Because we are the number one promoter of the gospel around the world. And the devil knows that. And all his emissaries know that. It's not about ending America. It's about crippling the message of the gospel. Go around the world. People say, well, I just preach Jesus. I just preach Jesus. That's a, that's a, that's a cop out. Because our freedom to preach Jesus is because of our former government. Amen? And so whether we continue to have such freedoms depends on how we steward the freedoms we, and government we have been given. Is there any question on that? I hope not. Charles Finney, the uh, head of the, uh, really the leader of the Second Great Awakening, said the church must take right ground in, re- in regard to politics. Politics are a part of a religion in a country as this, and Christians must do their duty to their country as a part of their duty to God. Have you ever connected that? We should. He goes on. He says, God will bless or curse this nation according to the course Christians take in politics. God help us. The Johnson Amendment effectively scared Christians and and then silenced so much of the church because we're afraid of losing our tax-exempt status or... And so much to the extent you would think is now the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not let the Bible apply to the issues of the day. Because that's politics. Last thing, John Adams said, You will never know how much it has cost my generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you will make good use of it. I hope we'll make good use of it. As followers of Christ, citizens of this nation, would you agree we have a duty before God to be good and faithful stewards of what God has given us? Amen? That we have been given something that is unique and distinct from any other people, certainly church history. The New Testament believers, they they had no idea this, that our duty to God includes our duty as citizens of the United States of America. And so when we talk about the the laws being passed, the the, the candidates who are running for things that want want to kill your children, all the way, uh, your your unborn children, all the way to the very point that they could be born that very day, uh, to want to sexualize children who want to change, give them puberty blockers and, and destroy their, their physical bodies, and they call all that good. We recognize we're not talking politics, we're talking stewardship. Stewardship of the freedoms that, that we have been given and, and, the, and the role that we have been given in this nation. That we must step up to the plate because, because so many haven't, we are witnessing what is going on. And next Sunday, I want to speak directly about Romans 13, about this whole idea of unlimited submission to government. Um, and you're, you'll be thankful that I'm not going to talk about that today because we want to eat. Right? But let me just say this. 
All of this points not to a candidate or a political party. It points back to Jesus. And even more so, it points to the church. Well, we, we sang that song that, that um, build your kingdom here. We are the hope of the earth. Only because we have the answer. Amen? We are the hope of this nation because we have Christ. But we, we have to have something more than just belief in a few lines uh, of Scripture or a few commandments. We need, the, we need to be strong in the, in the Lord and the strength of His might. That's what we need. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon us, to be filling His church. We need to be awake. We need to be alive. And I'm going to tell you this. We need to be together. I, I know a lot of pastors. And they would say the same thing. We are, we are distracted people. Fellowship with God's people it, so many times is, is put at, at, at somewhere else. We need each other. We need to be together. We need to be fasting and praying together. We need to be growing together. And we need to be working together as we do like our outreach week. Man, could that outreach week be just flooded with people? I'm here. Whatever way. Take what one or more of those things. That we, we probably can't change Washington, D.C., but we can impact right where we live. Right? And that's where it starts. The belt of truth. Talk about the truth. Righteousness. Living righteous lives and God helping us with it. The gospel of peace. The, knowing what faith in God really is. It's a stand regardless. The helmet of salvation. That, that, that we are the children of God. The, the word of, knowing the word of God. Reading the word of God. And then praying in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. And I shared this with our, our group. Our, our Holy Spirit study that when you find in the New Testament the writings of Paul and Peter, this phrase, praying in the Spirit, he is talking about praying in tongues. Because the New Testament church understood the baptism of the Holy Spirit was, was an expected part of your walk with Christ. You get saved, and the Spirit comes in and, and to help you pray and understand Scripture, but he said, that's, that's your vertical relationship but you need something to help you in this, in this work here. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make you more saved. Um, and whether you speak in tongues or not, you're going to go to heaven. I'm not, that's not the issue. But we need to be baptized. In the, we need the fullness of the Spirit of God. Amen? As Jesus said uh, to his disciples, that, um, <clears throat> that you receive power when the Holy Spirit com- comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Samaria, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. This, this is the call. I mean, I, I, I understand that we as believers, we, ha- we are stewards of something incredible. Never known by any believers before this nation was founded. And quite frankly, very few people percentage-wise around the world could even, they would even dream about this. But it's in our hands. And we must, we must be good stewards. But we must also recognize we can't do it just because we're aligned with the political party. We need to be aligned with heaven. We need the Spirit of God to be, to be filling us. We need, we need to ask God to truly revive it and be present in His church and with us in, in, in the ways we've, we read about in, in, in church history and as, as is happening in other parts of the world right now. That's why we need revival. That's why we need an awakening. 
Amen? Amen. That's how it would be the most effective blessing for this nation that it might continue for our children and grandchildren generation and that the gospel might go out around the world in an even greater measure than it has now. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. I don't know if you bow your heads. With your eyes closed, just right now, just, you might just consider, your, ask yourself, where are you with, with the Lord? I just want you to know that He's already done the work of reconciling you to Himself. Or maybe you, you've, you, you've known the Lord, but you've, you've kind of struggled, you kind of... But today is the day I'm... I'm all in, God. You can have all of me. And I give all of myself to you. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for making a way for me to be forgiven. And I want to be your child, God. I want to serve Christ. I I, be a servant of Christ. I, I want my life to matter for you. And I give myself to you today. If that's your prayer, would you just put your hand up and just say, that's me? Amen. Amen. Lord, just look at our hands. Hear us. We are your servants, Lord. And Father, we ask for the, 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 the outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon us in great measure, in great measure, in great measure, Lord. We've prayed for our nation now we pray for us, your church. And if you can, can we just take a, just a few minutes before we um, join uh, for some fellowship around the table? Can you just lift your hands? Can we just all lift your voice and just, just call upon God with your own words, things in your own heart? Lord, hear us, Lord, right now. Hear us, Lord. We, just, we do thank you, God. We are really in awe that we can be citizens of this country at this time. How in the world did we get to be here? And Father, if we have not been the kind of stewards of the freedom and, get, and liberties you've given to us, and forgive us. We repent right now. We confess that. And I ask you right now, Father, in Jesus' name, that you might lead us and guide us in your perfect way. We pray for the baptism of your Holy Spirit, your fullness and your power upon us, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray that the wisdom of God, that you would give us your wisdom and your understanding, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray for the favor of God upon us as as, as we go forward. I pray, God, for divine, creative uh, ways in which to go forward. And Father God, we pray that you would raise a standard up against the enemy who wants to come in like a flood and cripple and sabotage the work of darkness in this place, in this area. That your light might go out with, of your truth, might go forth with, 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 with power and, and glory, God, for the sake of your great name being exalted here. That everybody will know that you are God and nobody else is. And there'll be no questions anymore what truth is. And we'll turn away from these horrible things and our children will be protected. 
And you would get glory as you move across this region. Bring people back to you. Bring marriages back together, Lord. Bring, uh, heal broken bodies and broken minds, Lord. And you do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or imagine, as your word promises. We just thank you. We praise you. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just, let's just, can we just end by just thanking Him for how great He is? Thank you, Lord. We just praise you. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great and mighty are you, God. Come on, just lift our voices. Come on, one more, just real quick. We bless your name. We bless your name, Lord. We bless your name. Be glorified in this day. Be glorified in our lives. Be glorified in our fellowship. Be glorified in your church in this area and across this nation. And we thank you and we give ourselves to you for your purposes in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.